It's Wednesday, so Josh Ward will stop by for a little Ward Wednesday action in segment one. We're going to begin our Vols in review, the position recaps of the Tennessee football season. We'll start today with the quarterbacks and a quick preview of Tennessee and Ole Miss tonight on the hardwood. That is your Wednesday rundown here on Locked On Vols. You are Locked On Vols, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody and happy Wednesday. Welcome into Locked On Vols, your team every single day. Locked On Vols every single weekday when you wake up in the morning, available on all listening platforms. I'm your host, Eric Kane, at underscore Kaner and at Locked On Vols on Twitter. In today's episode, it's brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Head to NetSuite.com slash Locked On NCAA for a special end of the year financing on the number one financial system for powering your business. That is NetSuite. Uh, sponsoring today's episode. So as I said in the cold open, got a busy show. We're going to go ahead and get into it. Here's Josh Ward for a little Ward Wednesday action. Josh, I don't want to beat a dead horse here because we are, you know, almost uh, a week out of the Music City Bowl but the first time we've had a chance to catch up. Uh, kind of very disappointing, obviously. You know, you don't want to sugarcoat it the way you lost that football game in a number of areas. Very disappointing. It was a fun game, fun game to be a part of. But as you and I were talking last Wednesday going into it, with the personnel issues for Purdue, it just seems like a very disappointing end to a, a great season, a fun season, and a good season for Tennessee football. Yeah, it was for a number of different reasons. I think the uh, the level of play overall against Purdue, which we knew was missing a number of really key players, so that part was disappointing. The officiating and the fourth down call is obviously a huge talking point. I'd say number one on the list for just about everybody coming out of that game, understandably so, with the impact that it had on the game. And it's a sour note, seven and six versus eight and five, the record Tennessee could have uh, could have had. But I also think all of that is left in the moment. I said going into the game, a win is really nice to finish out the season. And if Tennessee were to lose, it simply means you lost the last game of the season We're in 2022 now. The conversation had already started to shift toward the next year, and now it will turn that way. And the result of the game has no impact on what happens next for Tennessee. The game itself did show us some things that we probably already knew about, but it reminded us of, okay, they need to work on this. We knew Cade May's absence could be a problem. It was a reminder that figuring out right tackle next year will be important. Alante Taylor's absence we knew could be a factor. It was probably a bigger factor than I anticipated going into the game, but it's a reminder that, hey, they need development. They might need some some help through the transfer portal if it becomes available in the defensive backfield. But uh, it, it was a reminder of some of the things individually or team-wide that Tennessee needs to work on before the next season. Yeah, Brandon Turnage wasn't able to play in that game. He was uh, kind of not, not a late scratch. He had a cleanup on his knee, something minor earlier in December, but you know, got word that he wasn't going to play right before a kickoff. So you're without him, without Alante Taylor. Uh, Kamal Haddon continued to deal with a shoulder injury all game long. I thought he actually played okay when he was in there. Of course, he had the interception. Uh, but Warren Burrell, I mean, how do you – I guess the closest way I could describe his play of late would be maybe the yips, kind of like you see in baseball or you know, like Simone Biles in gymnastics uh, at, the, at the Olympic Games because he played fine, you know, for the first seven, eight games of the season. He was a full-time starter. It's not like he was bad. But down the stretch, teams really targeted him. He got four defensive pass interference calls against him, one one of which I wouldn't agree with. But the other three, I, I think, were pretty pretty easy calls. They went right after him. He was primarily on, on Brock Thompson the entire game. 
He had a field day. Tennessee's got to uh, got to figure out cornerback. Um, you got Christian Harrison that came in in this class. Desmond or D. Williams, I believe, is a guy that uh, Tennessee hopes that can step up and play right away. But I think cornerback is very alarming going into 2022. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable spot to start if you want to. I mean, the, the importance of the offensive line and the tackle position could be the other. But uh, having to replace Alante Taylor and so much unproven depth, bringing some guys in, maybe D. Williams is a guy that's ready to play at a high level right away, if so, great. Uh, but that's why player development is going to be important and improvement because Warren Burrell was going to be a name and still needs to be a name that we talk about as, hey, he's played a lot of football for Tennessee. Who steps up at corner? He needs to be one of the answers. But you know, teams are going to know next year, hey, this is a guy that we can at least test. Let's see early. You know, the, the, Pittsburgh has a really talented receiver, they decided the best in the nation this past year that Pitt will try to use against Tennessee's defense. And uh, a lot of teams in the SEC, especially, you know, athletes all over the place. So the defensive backfield at corner, having Trayvon Flowers come, coming back at safety, that helps. So you have some experience there. Uh, but that's why you know, it's, it's a little difficult right now. We can get maybe a better idea in the spring of have players improve, depending on what we see. Uh, we're, we're not going to need to not overreact there, but uh, it's going to be a long conversation this offseason about where are they in the defensive backfield uh, where are they at linebacker too because teams are going to try to exploit again next year uh, in the defensive backfield getting players on linebackers get them open and uh, an attack and then you know this past year if you could run at quarterback Pitt, uh, Purdue really couldn't uh, the, you know there was one play extended but that he wasn't a runner Imagine if he could have, you know, how, how that could have added to what Purdue did. They'll face running quarterbacks again next year. All in all, you look at the game, of course, defensively, there's a lot to hate. You give up 48 points and, you know, over 530 passing yards and all that to Aiden O'Connell. Of course, you did have three interceptions, mm -hmm. nearly had four interceptions. Uh, if yep. Jeremy Banks got to hold on to that. But a lot of good from this game as we kind of close the book on it. Hinton Hooker broke a few records. Cedric Tillman broke a few records. Uh, Jeremy Banks tied a school record, broke a bowl record. A lot to like, and, and let's go to Jeremy Banks right there. I mean, I, I've been as hard on him as anybody, I feel like, um, mm -hmm. but there's no doubt that he is learning how to play the position. He is so gifted athletically, had a fantastic game in the Munich City Bowl, and I think he's going to be the most important piece of Tennessee's defense next year. Yeah, what do you, where do you think uh, Jeremy Banks is playing at his best? Because my initial reaction is if you just have Jeremy Banks in attack mode uh, when he was able to apply pressure, get into the backfield, I mean, that's just his instincts as a football player. Whether he's on offense or defense, I think the statement applies. Uh, this is where you go, go. And he is a full speed ahead player. And that's what you like about him. Now, when he's full speed ahead and the whistle blows and he, he keeps going, that yeah. can become problematic too. That's a separate conversation uh, from this. But that would be my answer is Jeremy Banks can be an attacking defender for you. Whereas he in pass coverage, things like that uh, would still be a major concern. But uh, his ability to be disruptive is something that I think Tennessee will try to take advantage of next year. Josh Ward here on Ward Wednesday. We're, we're starting this series uh, here on the podcast of Vols and Review. Today we're talking quarterbacks, good place to start. Um, if you got a quarterback, you got a chance. And Tennessee had a really good quarterback this year in Hidden Hooker. Mm -hmm. Tennessee's getting him back for 2022. And that is a huge, huge get. Uh, overall, how different was this season in a number of ways? This is, you know, this is a, a pretty easy question to answer. But, you know, how different was this year compared to the last three years when Tennessee simply just didn't have a quarterback? Um, and not only had a good quarterback, you had a good one. They gave you a chance to, to be efficient ball games, to hold a lead in every single ball game. Just 
the overall quarterback play that didn't start with Hendon Hooker this year, but certainly finished mm-hmm. with it. Yeah, night and day. I, I mean, to the bowl game, here's a statement. Hendon Hooker has a number of plays and throws he would like to get back. And his numbers from the game and the amount of big plays they had offensively are still outrageous yeah. from the Purdue game. So you look over the course of the season, the position was steadied. His play was at a high level a lot of the time. And, and sometimes in big games, uh, you know, the, the Alabama throw Cedric Tillman, that was another game where you're like, okay, look at this guy, what he might be able to do. Um, and, yeah, Tillman was not affected by Alabama or Georgia. So that combination Tillman with Hinden hooker at quarterback is going to be what we talk about a lot this off season from a positive standpoint, what Tennessee can build on heading into this upcoming year. But we just haven't had an off season where just about every single fan is fully on board with the quarterback saying, hey, this is the guy. This is a, a preseason All-SEC guy heading into next year. That's what every Tennessee fan is going to say. Even when Josh Dobbs was the quarterback, I, I think it's easy to look back and say, hey, everybody was on board with Dobbs. And a lot of the time, that was not the case. Josh Dobbs will remind you of that. He has a few times over the last few years, understandably. So this time even seems a little different with Hinden Hooker. It's the coach, Josh Heupel, with the fans being all the way on board with him at the same time as being on board with the quarterback. And next year, you're, you're going to see a number of lists this offseason that will say Hendon Hooker is the number two, number three, maybe number four, but second or third best quarterback in the league behind Bryce Young. Everybody will have Bryce number one. He won the Heisman. But who's number two? A lot of people are going to say Tennessee's quarterback, Hendon Hooker. Yeah, Hendon Hooker, a, a stat that we're going to talk about here in just a couple of moments here on Locked On Balls. Quarterback efficiency rating of 181.41 you know it's been it's been as high as three so far the season's been you know in the top 10 pretty much the entire year it's number three right now you got the national championship game and of course a a bowl game on tuesday night to go uh but uh that is that is quite the accomplishment for hendon hooker we shift gears now to the hardwood tennessee the sec opener last week um it was uh, came up short at alabama it's a good team a 68 73 without two of your best players and John Fulkerson and Kennedy Chandler. I think the way that the game ended, again, a little disappointing uh, for, for a number of reasons. And we can nitpick and and discuss, you know, Rick Bourne's decisions to keep Victor Bailey Jr. in the game. But I thought that was pretty much a statement for Tennessee going on the road against a good team without your two best players playing the way you did. And now you've got Ole Miss tonight and LSU coming up on Saturday. This tough stretch continues for Tennessee basketball. Yeah, it's a really tough start to SEC play, and it's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be easy the entire season because the conference looks good. And at the top, early on, at least coming out of non-conference play, looks better than a lot of people expected as the SEC at the start of conference play has had, I think, five of the top 16 to 20 teams in the country, according to Ken Palm's rankings. So this week, LSU on the road, going to be really tough. Next week, Kentucky, incredibly tough. Uh, A lot of people believe the best team in the SEC and then, you know, who Tennessee will play after that. So uh, a win against Ole Miss, really important. You need to just kind of take care of business at home, and that's how I would uh, describe this game. Should not be an easy opponent to play, but Tennessee's taking on a team coming off loss against Samford. Ole Miss is getting stronger, but Tennessee should be the stronger team at home, and I think that will be the case. If Tennessee's able to play well at LSU, not even win the game, I, I don't even think that's that important. Obviously, you want to. But if Tennessee's able to go there, play well, Kennedy Chandler can play well, That, to me, is really important because he had a big game against Colorado, but against the other major teams, we have not seen that much from Kennedy Chandler, at least offensively. Nothing compared to what he did against Colorado. We didn't get to see him against Alabama. So this is a really important week for him because for the first time, 
Chandler's going up against good team, good team, good team. Uh, no, there are no drop-offs like you got earlier in the season when you would play a good team and then you'd get a Greensboro, then you get an upstate, then you play a good team again. So for a freshman who is going to be asked to lead the way, this is an important week to get started the right way. And having John Fulkerson come back will help too because he has been through this a bunch of times. So it, it should help other players, I think, uh, get back into the roles that they should play with their top two players or two of their top players returning. So you're saying Kennedy Chandler needs a, a, a strong-ass game over there in Baton Rouge? Uh, it would apply when you're taking on a, a Will Wade team. Yeah, no doubt. Last thing, Josh, I, I just I want to throw some love out there to Lady Vols. 13-1, and one, number yeah. seven in the country. Uh, you know, Ray Burrell has been out for quite some time. Uh, Suarez has not played, but I think maybe a game or two. Uh, that team has been shorthanded. Tamari Key has been fantastic. Lady Vols, consistently a good a good basketball team so far this season and one that uh, we probably need to talk about a little bit more. Yeah, if you knew that you were going to be without Burrell for as long as they were, then I think the confidence level would have taken a big hit. But freshmen who have come in have stepped up. When they had back-to-back weeks with freshmen of the week in the SEC, that's a statement. And the Tennessee men's team gets all the attention that it does and it deserves, but it's not the highest-ranked basketball team on campus right now. That's the Lady Balls in the top 10. It's a big week. Uh, A&M coming in, a, a top 25 team in one of the polls. That's an, another good team to play. But let's be real. I think a lot of fans, they kind of just wait for something to go wrong. So then, then they then they can say, aha, it's not working out. And I, I don't think that's the right approach. We'll see how it plays out. And I don't know what the rest of the season will hold. But to this point, I think Kelly Harper and I think the team, the players, have responded in a way that everybody should hope for. And uh, we'll see what they can do to build on it. But the start that Tennessee has had to this point is really as good as you could have possibly expected. Josh Ward alongside Heather Harrington, co-host of Sports 180, 99.1 The Sports Animal, noon to three every single day. What's coming up on the show Thursday and Friday of this week? Yeah, we have uh, eight full months of 2022 preseason talk, and uh, right. we are underway with that. So uh, a lot of football talk, a lot of look ahead, plenty of basketball now that we're in full swing of conference play, plus national championship game talk. What's going to happen next Monday? Who should Tennessee fans be pulling for? number of big topics this week. As always, thanks to Josh Ward for stopping by the show and talking a little Tennessee football, basketball, both men and lady Vols. And we'll catch up with Josh again next week and every Wednesday uh, for Ward Wednesday. All right, we'll talk Vols in review, quarterbacks in segment number two. But a couple of uh, proud sponsors we want to give thanks to. First, we'll start with Built Bar. The new year, new me, right? Well, that sometimes means new resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure to include Built Bar in your plan. It's a protein bar that looks and tastes like a candy bar. It's even better than a candy bar, all right? It makes it easier to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good, you're going to want to eat it. Some like some of these protein bars that can be chalky or waxy or just taste really, really nasty. If you want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring, right? Sometimes by week three, you're, you're thinking that it's just not worth it. And you're wanting some chocolates. Well, good news because Built Bar is covered in 100% real chocolate and only has about 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of proteins, whereas a normal candy bar has up to 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So, 
here's what you need to do, okay? And if there's, there's so many flavors also. Let me mention this. There's coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and a whole lot more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors as well, so you need to be dialed in to Built.com uh, to see what's coming up. So speaking of Built.com, that is Built.com. Use this promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Again, that's LOCK15 for 15% off. It's all at Built.com. And it's Eric Kane here on Locked On Vols, an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. All right, it's Get Upside. My listeners right now are making up the $0.25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use the promo code SCORE and get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back by using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code SCORE to get up to $0.50 a gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as $200 to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your bank account. You can can cash out at any time from your bank account, PayPal, e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. All you need to do, again, is download the free Get Upside app and use the promo code COLLEGE to get up to $0.50 a gallon cash back on your first tank. That is promo code SCORE for Get Upside. We'll go back here to a Wednesday edition of Locked On Vols. Again, as always, thanks so much for making Locked On Vols your first listen each and every day. We're starting a new series here every single day called Vols in Review, where we're going to look back at each position group, just like we do in fall camp, just like we do in spring practice. We'll do one leading up to spring practice whenever it starts later on uh, in you know come springtime. But we're going to recap what each Tennessee position group did this past football season. I thought today, of course, we'll start with the quarterbacks because that's the most that's the most important and most popular position in all of sports, and it all starts with the quarterbacks. So we'll do quarterbacks today. Uh, we will probably flip-flop the offensive position group to a defensive position group the next day just so we get a little variety. But we'll start with quarterbacks today. And, well, just like we touched base with uh, with Josh Ward on, I mean, Hendon Hooker, right? How many times the last three to four years, really since Josh Dobbs has left the program, have we, it's been so uncertain about quarterbacks, right? I mean, Jerry Garantano was the guy that played the majority of the time. He's a guy that's been in the program a long time. He has unbelievable talent and, and ability, right? It's just... With him, it was a head case, especially on towards the end of his Tennessee career. Through a lot of interceptions. He was benched a couple of times, and it was just never consistent play. There were always questions about who was going to be Tennessee's quarterback going into the next week, and especially during the offseason. Well, there were those questions going into this season as well, but it was all Joe Milton. It was Hendon Hooker, Harrison Bailey, and Brian Maurer who were in spring practice, the quarterbacks for Josh Heupel, you know, last spring and Hendon Hooker's the, the last man standing. At the time, he was brand new to the program, coming over from Virginia Tech. Jeremy Pruitt brought him in to be the quarterback for his team, but of course he got fired a little bit thereafter. But Hendon Hooker stayed the course, you know, welcomed uh, obviously a new coaching staff in, one that didn't, just like everybody else on the team, one that didn't bring him in, stuck it out, learned this offense, didn't start game one, didn't start game two, but took over at the end of the second quarter against Pittsburgh in week two, game two, and never looked back. So before we get to Hendon Hooker and, and his accomplishments and how important he's been for this team, let's look back to Joe Milton. Okay, actually played in eight games this season, came in and played a little bit um, in some other games. He finished 32 of 62 on the season, completing 51% of his passes. He had a quarterback rating of 113.06, threw for 375 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 
He had a long completion of 53 yards. He averaged 46 yards uh, per game. So, you know, for Joe Milton, it wasn't it wasn't fantastic. Let's let's not let's not lie to you here. Could not hit down the field passing. Couldn't quite ever put it all together. Had unbelievable athletic ability. I love what he did against Bowling Green on short yarded situations with the read option, goal line situations, stuff like that. And I'll stay true to this right now. Joe Milton still has the highest upside, in my opinion, maybe of anybody on the team, right? And it seems like at least right now, he's going to be back and he will be the backup quarterback for Hendon Hooker. We'll see how spring plays out. Remember, he is a guy that's already transferred once, okay? And there's some stipulations in there if he wants to transfer to Power 5 to Power 5 again, even though he is a graduate. But he's already transferred once. So he can still leave. I'm not saying that he won't leave. But it looks for right now like he's not going to leave. So looks like Joe Milton's going to be the backup quarterback, you know, here at least in spring, and and you know we'll see exactly what happens over the summer. But you know, Joe Milton has unbelievable ability. He's a big guy, you know, is about as big as Cam Newton is. There was a lot of excitement around Joe Milton. Plus, Josh Heupel went out and got him. He recruited him a lot at UCF. Had a pre-existing relationship. Saw what he had in spring. Said, hey, I need to add to this room. If not, I need some more competition. Brought in Joe Milton. A lot of people said, well, it's pretty obvious who they want to be the starting quarterback, and that might be so, but give Josh Heupel credit. You know, when it didn't work out and when he was forced to make a move with the injury there, he went to Hinton Hooker and never looked back. So, you know, Joe Milton wasn't great. It was short but sweet. There was a lot of head scratching moments, a lot of uh, angry fans at, at times, especially when Hinton Hooker had to go out at the end of the Ole Miss game and, and Joe Milton just ran out of bounds. Boy, that was bad. That was really, really bad. But ultimately, Joe Milton didn't work out here this season for Tennessee. He's got two more years of eligibility left You know when you include that COVID year. So who knows? Who knows what the future will hold for Joe Milton? He still has the highest upside of anybody in this room. Harrison Bailey left the program during the bye week. Brian Maurer left the program during, um, you know, leading up to camp, or, or during camp, rather. But Hinton Hooker's where our conversation obviously started. Second quarter against Pittsburgh. Comes in, th- accounts for three total touchdowns, two passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown. Did have that interception at the end of that Pittsburgh game um, when uh, I just thought the backside safety made a heck of a play. But, you know, you started to see he was a little erratic with the football at times to begin the season. And, um, you know, just, you know, putting it on the ground and all that type of stuff, uh, fumbles and everything. But here's what he did passing-wise in every single game. Five yards against Bowling Green. He got in there, completed one pass and mop-up duty. 188 yards against Pittsburgh. Again, those two touchdowns. Did throw that pick. Had a rushing touchdown. Against Tennessee Tech, threw for three touchdowns, 199 passing yards. Against Florida, 221 passing yards, two touchdowns. Missouri, 225 passing yards, three touchdowns. South Carolina, 225 yards passing, three touchdowns. Ole Miss, 233 yards passing, one touchdown. Alabama, three touchdowns, one interception, 282 yards. So, Outside of that Pittsburgh game, he went one, two, three, four, five straight games without throwing an interception. Against Kentucky, 316 passing, four touchdowns, no picks. Georgia, 244, a touchdown and an interception. That was probably his ugliest game, I felt like, against the number one defense in the land. South Alabama, two touchdowns, 273. Vanderbilt, 156, two touchdowns. And then Purdue, 378 yards passing, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Rushing-wise, ran for 49 against Pittsburgh, 64 against Tennessee Tech, 23 against Florida, 80 against Missouri, 66 against South Carolina, 108 against Missouri, 
27 against Alabama, 41 against Kentucky, 7 against Georgia, 21 against South Alabama, 75 against Vanderbilt, and 59 against Purdue. You see these one games against you know Alabama 27, Georgia 7. He got sacked a lot in those games. 23 rushing yards against Florida, got sacked a lot in those games. Had rushing touchdowns against Tennessee Tech, against Missouri, South Carolina, Ole Miss, and South Alabama. Hendon Hooker, we talked about passing efficiency. I, I talked about it with Josh earlier. In the country, he is third at 181.41 behind C.J. Stroud of Ohio State and Grayson McCall of Coastal Carolina. That's ahead of Setson Bennett, who's fourth at 177.36. Your Heisman Trophy winner, Bryce Young, comes in fifth in this category at 173.68. Freshman Phenon of Oklahoma, who now is in the transfer portal, Caleb Williams, he had an efficiency rating, which was sixth in the country at 169.62. Kenny Pickett, who Tennessee's familiar with, was ninth in the country at 165.27. He was a Heisman uh, candidate. Aiden O'Connell of Purdue is 12th in the country, 158.80. So the list goes on and on. Hendon Hooker finishes third in the country. In the country. Now, again, Stetson Bennett and Bryce Young have one more game to go, so potentially they could pass him with that national title game. But Hendon Hooker finishes third in the country, the 181.41 efficiency rating. That, 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 that is a job well done. 31 passing touchdowns overall on the season. Okay? He had, let's see here, 31 passing touchdowns on, on the season, five rushing touchdowns, 36 total touchdowns. He had the, in terms of rushing, he led the team with 820 yards gained. That was a team high in, in yards gained on the season, but his net average was only 620 because, again, you have to take sacks into consideration. That's still second on the team, more than Tyon Evans, who left the team a little early, but also missed a lot of time due to you know, due, due to being banged up and whatnot. So, job well done by Hendon Hooker. And, again, a lot of this comes in the offense. You run a lot of plays. Um, the offense opens up a whole lot of stuff for your quarterback, for these receivers. But it all kind of clicked. It all kind of worked. And it was an exciting brand of football. You scored points. You had a chance to win every single game. Tennessee led in every single game this year. And it was fun to watch. But, hey, it wasn't fun to watch at times with Joe Milton early in the season. you got to give credit to Hendon Hooker. He played efficient football. He laid it all out there on the line. Like we talked about on Twitter Tuesday the other day, I think he's a little reckless at times, especially when he runs the football. But he's been fun to watch. Hendon Hooker, team MVP, and it's not even close. You know, we made the case. We did some stuff on Christmas Day, VolQuest.com, where we had our we made the case for team MVP. I mean, I think Austin Price took Hendon Hooker, but Hendon Hooker's the answer for everybody. All, the rest of us to pick somebody else just to be different. Hendon Hooker's team MVP. So, I mean, I just read you off his stats. I showed you where he ranked in, in terms of passing efficiency in the nation, which is third. He's among the lead leaders in the SEC, but, you know, behind Will Rogers in a couple categories, behind uh, Young in a couple categories, Matt Corral in a couple categories. But he's also leading all those other guys in a couple other categories as well. Hendon Hooker was one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC this season. And that's saying something because you had Heisman Trophy winner that came out of there. Matt Corral was a good quarterback this year. And, of course, I mentioned Will Rogers, who was phenomenal this year. You know, along with, with, Will, with Will Rogers gone, with Matt Corral gone, you know, we had this conversation a couple weeks ago on Locked on Vols. You got Bryce Young that's coming back. I mean, Hendon Hooker might be the second-best quarterback in the SEC. So... Nonetheless, great season for Hendon Hooker, fantastic season, and the quarterback room, the way it sits right now, you've got Hendon Hooker, you got Joe Milton, you're bringing in scholarship quarterback from the 2022 signing class in, in Taven Jackson, and we'll, we'll see if they're done adding. If you can find another quarterback in the, in the transfer portal that's got multiple years and a high upside, maybe you bring him in as well. 
But Hooker is the leader of this team. He's coming back in 2022, and he had one heck of a season in 2021. So that'll do it for our Vols and review the quarterback room. Pretty easy when you're talking about Hooker, right? We'll continue to break down the other positions tomorrow, Friday, all next week. We'll tell you, and this is just a one, you know, one person, you know, position group because of course it's the quarterback. You know, when we break down defensive linemen, we'll give you stats from everybody who played well, in my opinion. You know, especially when we get the running backs. You know, who who was here this year who's coming back next year, the influx of guys from the, from the from the signing class, all that and more. That's what you have to look forward to in the Vols in review. All right, guys, when we come back, we'll give you a brief preview on Tennessee and Ole Miss tonight on the hardwood. But first, this is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. If this is how you're running your business, poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software, Need to buckle up. You need to see the full picture. You need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth, visibility, and control at your financials, inventory, HR planning, budgeting, and more. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of survey businesses have increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And for the new year, NetSuite is a new financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked. Head to netsuite.com slash locked uh, for the special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. Again, that is netsuite.com slash locked. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we got to be short and sweet here in this final segment of a Wednesday show. Went pretty long with Josh Ward. That's always fun. He's got great stuff. Talked to over 10 minutes about the quarterback position for Tennessee. There was a lot to talk about. A lot to uh, be proud of from this Tennessee quarterback position and Hendon Hooker uh, this past season. But Tennessee does return to action tonight. It is the SEC home opener for the Volunteers when Tennessee plays host to Ole Miss, who is eight and four on the season. Here's what you need to know about Ole Miss. Okay, uh, they had their SEC opener scheduled for Florida last Wednesday, but it was postponed due to COVID within the Florida program. So tonight's matchup at Tennessee is the SEC um, opener for Ole Miss in the season. In the first game uh, dating back to uh, December 21st, whenever it came up short against Samford at home. Uh, 75 to 73. It's in the non-conference portion of the schedule for Ole Miss. Had home wins over Memphis, which was big at the time. That was that was in the middle of that Memphis slide earlier in the season. Uh, Middle Tennessee, Dayton. It fell to Marquette, Boise State. Fell to Western Kentucky on neutral courts. Again, I mentioned the Sanford home loss. It's yet to play a true road game this season, so it's going to be walking into a hostile environment, which is Thompson Bowling Arena, uh, later tonight. <clears throat> Kermit Davis, this is year number four for Kermit Davis at Ole Miss. He's got a 59-46 and overall record in Oxford. Here's some star players you need to know about. You've got a seven-foot center, and I believe you pronounce his name as Nizer. Nizer Brooks, um, he leads the team with seven rebounds, a little under one block per game. He's third in the team in scoring of 8.9 points per game. 
Um, this is his first season at Ole Miss. He spent some time in Miami and even in Cincinnati as well. Um, here's another impact player you need to know about. A freshman guard, Deshaun Ruffin, okay? He fractured his hand in the season opener. He missed four weeks, but has come back since and had three straight standout performances, 16 points, 2.7 assists, 1.7 steals um, in the last three games for Ole Miss. He's a top 40 prospect in this uh, most recent class, and he's the first McDonald's All-American signing in the history for Ole Miss. So Deshaun Ruffin's a guy you need to watch out for, but the overall leading scorer for uh, Ole Miss is a guy that we've heard about before in Jarkel Joyner. 14.8 points per game. He's second in, uh, and has uh, scored in double figures during all but one of Ole Miss's games so far uh, this season. Tennessee overall, of course, it had Kennedy Chandler and John Fulkerson not in action last week in the in the uh, SEC opener on the road against Alabama, but the team hung tough. Olivier Cumwell had a fantastic game, 15 points. Brandon Huntley Hatfield played great in the first half, didn't hardly play at all in the second half, but he scored eight points. Uros Plofsic scored six points. Vescovi also had 13 steals uh, over UT's last five games, but you had uh, Vescovi that stepped up as well in the absence of Chandler. Takai Ziegler also had uh, double figures with 11 points in that game as well. Couldn't find my note there. But nonetheless, it's Tennessee and Ole Miss. This is not the best Ole Miss team again, 8-4. It's got some iffy losses so far on the season. But the last couple of times Tennessee and Ole Miss have, uh, have played, it's been just a, a little wacky uh, for, for these two ball clubs. Last year, you had Ole Miss winning that 52-50 to bout in Oxford. Two years ago, when uh, when uh, Ole Miss was at Tennessee, that was that John Fulkerson game where he had 18 points, 10 rebounds, and a double-double, 25-point um, win for Tennessee. That was 73-48. to So Tennessee's had the upper hand the last couple of times these teams have met, especially in Knoxville uh, for this team. But Tennessee still comes in number two in terms of defensive efficiency per Kempom. Tennessee ranks north towards the top 10 in turnover margin per game. 10.9 turnovers per game. It's the lowest in the SEC. Uh, Tennessee owns a 28.7 scoring margin at home this season, where it's averaging 85.6 points per game, giving up just 56.9 points per game. So Tennessee looks to get back on track against Ole Miss when it's first SEC game of the season. And then it will be off to Baton Rouge, where LSU a big win on, on Tuesday night, holding off Kentucky 65-60 to at home. LSU got two field goals off... Uh, Kentucky turnovers in the final 15 seconds. Got 13 points from Eason, 11 points from Pinson, 10 points from Murray. LSU right now 13-1 and overall, 1-1 one and one in the SEC, and of course plays Tennessee at home on Saturday. So Tennessee needs to take care of business tonight against Ole Miss. Then it will have a game against LSU, and then of course Kentucky is on the horizon. So that will do it for a Locked On Balls Wednesday edition, getting you set for the Ole Miss game Tonight, hey, I actually did it on the right day this week, right? Remember a couple weeks ago when I previewed a game and it was actually the, the day after I got the, the Tuesday-Wednesday slate mixed up? Ha uh-huh. ha. So very funny. But Tennessee takes on Ole Miss later tonight, and of course we'll get back into some more balls and review. We'll take a look at the defensive line tomorrow here on Locked On Balls. Guys, thanks so much for hanging out with me here, here today. Check out Locked On Bets. Make that your second listen right after Locked On Balls, your first listen each and every morning. Thanks so much, guys. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, and we'll talk again tomorrow. Thank you.